Saturday morning, and welcome to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. March 15th, another great Saturday. Spring is on the way. Things are happening all the time in the greenhouses now. We're sticking cuttings. We're planting hanging baskets. The production line is humming. Things. This is peak time frame, folks. I mean, everything is starting to grow, grow, grow. Easter lilies are looking wonderful. Perennials are popping all kinds of growth. Overwintered stalks looking great. Shipments are starting to come in. Ah, everything is happening. It's kind of craziness at this point. We will be going live with the show again the end of the month. It's going to be another year where you can call in, uh, you know, get your questions answered. I know we have a few questions in the queue here that uh, we haven't gotten to. We'll be answering some of those with some future guests. Uh, you know, so if you have questions, don't hesitate to submit them to estherbrooksonline.com backslash radio. You know, it'll spur us to have n- new guests and different topics. You know, we've got a couple questions. Uh, you know, one we've got in the queue here coming up is from, uh, you know, Peter in Freeport. Um, and he wants to know about how to organically grow um, his apple trees and whatnot. So I'm looking for a guest right now to bring in to talk about organic apple and orchards and, and, and all of the whole, uh, you know, wrap around you know the orchard movement here in uh in southern maine and and in in homes but uh today we have jim massey nursery manager from yarmouth back in this week uh jim welcome again oh thanks for having me back tom you know uh last week we talked a lot about the flower show yeah. uh it turned out great attendance was was good yeah. uh you know overall i think people left the show and, and we're like okay it's spring's coming yeah, and the the buzz that I've heard since the show um, closed was has been really really positive. So mm-hmm. that's a great thing. Yeah. So today we're going to talk a little bit about perennials and yeah. some shrubs, and yep. you know, kind of kind of get you juiced up a little bit for uh, spring. But let's talk a little bit about what perennials look like in the in the greenhouse right now because we've been what they've been potted for probably a month or so. Yeah. Yeah, um, they're really, really um, popping and coming along. This uh, this weather that we've been having, mm. the sunny days, you know, and um, have really been pushing a lot of growth. And then you have a cloudy day here or there in between, which the plants kind of actually root in better in those cooler temperatures. Mm-hmm. So we're really seeing some really beautiful, um, you know, results from what we d- we've done and it's always uh, always exciting well so. every year's different with growing yep. perennials and you know the liners might be good they may not be good yep. you know there's there's a whole bunch of variables but overall i'd say the crop looks pretty nice oh yeah i'm i'm very happy this year yep yep so tell me a little bit about some of the things that we've got coming on that that are new or underused or or you know just things that people may or may not know about well we touched you know, a little bit last week um, about, you know, what's old is new again. Mm. So, you know, uh, alphabetically speaking, you know, one of the plants that I think is going to be kind of cool this year, it's an ornamental onion similar to, to a chive. Mm. Um, and it's called Millennium. And it's a perennial chive, basically, with a much larger magenta flower. Because, you know, the chives that we use in our um, potatoes and right. uh, salads and everything, they're beautiful landscape plants. Right. The downside of that sometimes can be is that they seed all over the garden and you have more chive than anything else. Right. <laughs> um, this this plant, you know, so that makes your neighbors happy sometimes, I guess. But um, there's a lot of weeding when that happens. But uh, this plant is... Um, 
you know, more more behaved. The flower is uh, much larger on it, mm-hmm. you know, up to an inch and a half to two inches. And it's sterile, so it produces very, you know, produces um, very few seeds if, right. they, if they produce any. So it doesn't move itself around the garden. The foliage has got bluish green. It has a little bit more of a wavy twist to it. Mm-hmm. So even after you deadhead the plant... Um, you're still going to have a really nice clump of foliage, and it takes, you know, abuse. As you know, chives are really yeah. easy to grow. So, Yeah, they'll take a yep. hot, dry location all yep. day. Absolutely, yep. Um, that would be a great plant that you can combine with, like, some of the plants of that time period, like some of the foxgloves mm-hmm. or some of the, um, you know, the dianthus or pinks mm-hmm. that we call them. Um, also, like, uh, the yarrows and ladies' mantle would really lend themselves, you know. So kind of a nice retro feel, older estate garden type look. It, right. would, it would match in really nicely. Absolutely, yeah. Just another layer on that old older look. Absolutely. So it'd be a nice nice plant for an older garden that you want to refresh an area and add in something, you know, something. Let's face it. We're going to have some plant death this year with all oh, the yes. snow and ice we had. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're going to have some holes out there, and, and that's a great topic to kind of touch on right yep. from the get-go. We're going to have some holes this year. There's oh, no yeah. doubt about it. Yep. I mean, we've got that ice layer that's an inch or two or three inches right. that's sitting on top of the crowns of right. plants. Tell me a little bit how that affects the overwintering of plants. Well, you know, the thing about natural snow, and I had this conversation, um, a, you know, a week or two ago with a customer that called in, is natural snow falls and it has a lot of um, insulating property and all that. But, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're moving snow around all winter, this, this year especially, you know. Um, and as soon as you move that snow, it breaks down the insulating factor. Um, you pile it up on top of your plants, which we can hardly help, you know. Or somebody piles it on your plants for you where the plow, you know, has to push the snow somewhere. Mm-hmm. So bury, it buries things that it never buried the year before. So every year is going to be variable. Um, but as the snow melts, it gets more and more compressed. And then um, depending on the season, you c- it can form an a- air layer underneath the snow where it's going to be kind of, uh, you know, low oxygen and it can really smother Suffocation. Yeah, yeah, suffocation, but also that can, if it melts in between that layer, you can get rot, encourage rot. Mm-hmm. So it's like a cold, wet thing, which for some perennials, the crowns of perennials, it's really detrimental to. Yeah, I mean, delphinium has a really tough time with delphinium, that, Delphinium, um, some of the hookahs, mm-hmm. you know, the coral bells. Um, even plants, like plants, like even like the allium I mentioned, right. you know, which likes a more sandy, free-drained soil, if you have it in the heavier soil, this plant, you know, really doesn't respond well to all that. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be rare, I would think. But, you know, every every um, location on your property is going to have its own challenges. Definitely. <laughs> it's going to be a challenging spring. There's going to be some damage. Just go into it knowing there's mm-hmm. going to be some holes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some holes to replace things. And how long before people should really give up on, on something? I mean, when when will things really, you know, be like, okay, we're not seeing any signs? Well, again, it's plant specific, you know, perennial or trees and or trees and shrubs. But um, you know, I would say as a general rule, you're probably looking into you know the first couple of weeks in May. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I know that in the past, a lot of people have uh, 
rip things out of the ground, and I I have done that in the past as well. Mm-hmm. Um, butterfly bush, for example, right. you know, always looks like a dead stick in the spring. And sometimes, and especially in the winters like we've had this year, um, we had some snow in the beginning, and then we had no snow cover for quite a while. Right. And then the plant can die all the way to the base, but the roots are alive. So in the past, I've ripped butterfly bush out, thrown them on the compost pile, and then in June, I see this little green shoot coming out and going, right. oh, whoops. Yeah. You know? I mean, we all can, you know, we right. want to push the season. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I think that um, a lot of times, just give a call to, you know, give a call to us at the store or shoot me an email or what have you. Um, you know, I'm happy to help, and I've had ex- a lot of experience with this kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, better let caution be your guide, I guess. Yeah, and and depending on the spring, mm-hmm. we've been we've been cold. We have things yeah. haven't activated. You know, yeah. a, a clethra is another one. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, it could be June before you have leaves on that plant, right. folks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, summer sweet right. is very late yeah. every year. We have right. people dig it up and yeah. bring it in. The other one is hibiscus, rose of yeah. Sharon. Yeah. June. Yeah, and that's really a great point because if you look at those plants, if you look at these plants like um, the summer sweet or clethra, it's called, you know, the Latin name, or any of the hydrangeas, Mm -hmm. um, the paniculatas, the old fashioned hydrangea, or hibiscus, rose of Sharon, those all bloom later in the season. Mm -hmm. So it's, it usually runs, runs that way is that plants that bloom later in the season are usually later to leaf out. Mm -hmm. So one thing that I usually tell people to do if they have a doubt is to scratch the stem Mm -hmm. um, with their thumbnail. Um, That little bit of damage won't hurt the plant. And if it's still nice and bright green underneath that bark, that's a really good sign. And and the branches are somewhat supple. Absolutely. You know, I mean, if it's... yeah. Brittles all right, get out, right? And and to be perfectly honest, you don't want to do that on the newest tips. Correct. You want to do yep. that down yep. in you know where the heavy wood right. is because a lot of times we can have plant dieback. Correct. But boy, I mean, you'll get massive amounts of growth off of those old right. stems. Right. It's called nature's pruning. So. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, um, it really kind of you can kind of lend it to when the plant blooms, right? Pretty much, you know, for the most part. Your early bloomers leaf out early, you know. know, Pretty much we may have some also some blossom or bud damage. Correct. You know, maybe the forsythia won't bloom this year. Right, right. You know, we've had extreme temperatures. Right. Depending on the variety, some are more bud hardy than others. Talk a little bit about bud hardiness on plants. Well, you know, the older forsythias, um, you know, weren't as bud hardy as some of the newer varieties Mm -hmm. coming out. Um, And, you know, what a common question that we get, is uh, why is my forsythia blooming or only at the bottom, mm-hmm. you know? And, you know, forsythias that are very exposed, you know, on the edges of, um, you know, a field or more exposed situations and more wind, t- typically will bloom, they'll just, the buds will just live underneath that snow cover. Right. So the deeper the snow, the better off your bloom potential, and then the buds can really dry out with winter winds at the top, and then, and then you don't get that, that color that you want in the spring. Right, so. and we may see that on roadies, mountain right. laurel, right. Uh, mountain andromeda. Exactly. You know, there's a whole host yep. of plants. I mean, lilacs might. Right. They're typically not affected, but we've had a lot of extreme temperatures this year. Exactly. Yep. So back to perennials, yeah. you know, let's talk, you know, so we're going to probably have some things that are, are going to disappear, but this gives us an opportunity. Look at this as an opportunity, a positive, not necessarily a negative. Now, I can understand how customers, you know, they have special plants that they love year in and year out. So do I. You know, that bloom wonderfully. Mm -hmm. They're Mm old-fashioned. 
you know, they may or may not be able to get that old-fashioned plant if it passes away. So today we're kind of talking about some newer plants mm-hmm. that might be good fill-ins for right. those situations and add some new resistant varieties or, or whatnot. Yeah, and, you know, we love our old plants and change is hard for us to, to uh, grab onto as we age, but, um, you know new keeps us interested and and so there's a lot of new uh choices out there you know a couple of those um you know for shade for instance mm-hmm. you know um you know we all have hosta and astilbes and um you ferns. know ferns <laughs> and ferns yeah. and um you know there's not a lot of uh color going on and and in shade it's really hard to get color that goes through the season right um and and extends especially after august um so you know that there's a benefit of annuals there but um one of the newer plants that i think is going to be really exciting this year is called um brunnera emerald mist which is um they call it um uh, they call it alkanet or they uh false alkanet or they also call it perennial forget-me-not mm-hmm. so we all know the forget-me-nots with those beautiful blue flowers this is very similar to that flower beautiful sky blue true blue flowers mm-hmm. um the foliage is really beautiful as well it's a heart-shaped leaf mm-hmm. um large-ish it's probably up to three to four inches across with a beautiful heart shape and then you have um this beautiful uh silver overlay on it there was a, a predecessor to this plant called Jack Frost, which right. is lovely. Um, but this one has just a little bit different pattern on the leaf, a little bit more green. So mm-hmm. some people gravitate to it more. So a little I'm more excited. distinction. Yeah, a little bit more distinction between the silver and the green yeah, on the leaf. Yeah, because Jack Frost, I, I would say it was more towards the silver right. side. Right. So depending know. on what you're putting it around, if you have other plants that have other foliage things that you don't want to compete with, like some of the hookeras, you know, right. like obsidian or one of those dark-leafed ones, you might want a little bit more green in contrast mm-hmm. than the silver. All personal choice. The thing about this plant, it's zone four. Um, great combined, of course, hosta and, um, you know, crested iris or the mm-hmm. iris cristata, which is a beautiful little ground cover. Um, also be great with um, bleeding heart or even um, that uh, spiderwort uh, sweet cake with that yellow foliage, mm-hmm. you know, which is a really popular that lime green with that nice cool green of the, um, the Brunnera with the silver cast. I think it would be really nice. Uh, I, I, you know, I think contrast is the key to shade. We've talked about it many times in you know, the show and, and how you kind of get shade to be exciting. And contrast is number one. You know, you're going to have those blips of color that show up and are amazing, but contrast and texture is your friend. And, of course, those annuals just brighten up some of the spots and and keep kind of the thing going all year long. Color's always great. We always, you know, crave color. But as we saw on the show last week, texture has a big role to play. Absolutely. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more perennials after this break. Do you want the best-looking lawn in your neighborhood? Let Bonide help with their easy-to-use DuraTurf four-phase lawn program. Just use all four phases of this program throughout the year as directed, and you'll have a healthy weed and insect-free lawn. The four-phase program rids your lawn of over 200 broadleaf and grassy weeds, including crabgrass, nutsedge, and dandelions. And say goodbye to surface insects like fleas and ticks while it slowly feeds your lawn all year long. 
Bonide offers up to a $35 gift certificate to the store where the Bonide four-phase lawn program is purchased. But you can also buy the four phases individually as you need them. Don't let weeds and insects take over your lawn. Get Bonide DuraTurf four-phase lawn program for a picture-perfect lawn. Bonide is found at your local independent garden centers of Maine. Visit maineigc.com or visit bonide.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, and we're here with Jim Massey, uh, nursery manager in Yarmouth, and we're talking perennials today. So, uh, and overwintering and all kinds of stuff. So, welcome back, Jim. Oh, thanks. Uh, there's so many new plants, it's hard to keep track of them all, but um, some of the exciting stuff that we've been seeing and, and that's popping up in the greenhouse right now, especially with these nice warm days, um, are delphiniums. Mm. You know? And delphinium, um, you cannot get that blue anywhere else. And uh, a lot of the delphiniums that we carry, we, we've been carrying consistently the millennium hybrids. You right. know? Um, we, have, we really want to focus... Um, at our at the nursery uh on plants that are are you know like the old but have better consistent um growth in our climate and mm-hmm. the, the millennium series of delphiniums i've talked about before um but they're um bred in new zealand they are bred to have uh less disease problems they're bred to be more perennial in the mm-hmm. landscape there's a few tricks of of the trade with delphinium so when you come into the nursery if you're interested in delphinium just try to catch one of our nursery people and we can fill you in on how to plant once you do a proper planting you're usually good to go um and but these plants are um they're less disease prone they're more perennialized one of the varieties this year that's new is called cobalt dreams which is this beautiful cobalt blue um, with a white bee. The plant is going to be in the four to six foot range. So it's four a nice. Four to six feet. I know. Wow. Right. And, you know, if they're leaner, they're going to be shorter. But the thing I love about delphinium is if you don't want them that big, when that spike is coming out of the ground, that growth point is coming out of the ground, you know, by the end of May or beginning of June, you can pinch it right in half to make that branch, that side branch. And you mm-hmm. can end up with a three to four foot plant that has many more blooms. Right. So instead of having that one spike the first year. Um, that's really hard for people to do. In fact, um, that first year they want to see that flower, but, um, you know, uh, it's recommended if, especially if you want to have more, um, spikes for, for bringing indoors to do flower arrangements. And talk to people a little bit about what the, a bee is because, oh, you know, you know, just in our lingo that makes sense, but you know, what is a bee in the flower? It's not this little buzzing around (laughs) thing, right? Sorry. Thanks. That's a great point. Um, well, we're hoping that the the buzzing is happening too, and the bees do tend to love delphinium. Mm-hmm. But what they call the center of the flower is this little cluster of petals. It's uh, typically a different color. Mm-hmm. It's um, can be part of, uh, part petal and also the stamen and pistil of the plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually around the the uh, sexual parts of the flower, stamen, pistil. Um, you have this little, this different colored, it can be a uh, different colored area. It could be black. They call mm-hmm. them black bees or white bees. Right. So like um, some of the most striking things about delphinium that people go for are um, the bees. Absolutely. You know, you know? Yeah. So this one has a white bee. And then there's, you know, other varieties that have, that are blue, that have dark bees. You know, it depends on just the look that you want. Yeah. I, I, personally, I think that's what makes delphinium right. distinct, you mm-hmm. know. And from a distance, that really is what draws you in. 
Oh, yeah. You know, as you get closer, you may see that cobalt blue from a ways away, but right. as you get closer to the plant, it starts giving a different dimension. Right. Yeah. And the the each of these flowers, they have different flower shapes because that spike is made up of many smaller flowers. Mm-hmm. And some of those flowers are, you know, depending on the variety, are more ruffled than others, more double than others. Um, there's another one um, that we're having this year that's new called Lilac Ladies. Um, and Lilac Ladies is a little bit more shorter, a little bit shorter plant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful um, lilac blue color. So you're going to have some blue tinges, but um, it's going to be splashed with lilac depending on the light condition. That also has a white bee. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it's in a range where if you didn't want something that tall or you didn't want to have to pinch it back, it's going to be much more easy for you to maintain or, you know. Talk to me about about staking delphinium yep. because, you know, a lot of times customers they don't realize if you do it like right first thing in the spring and right. let them grow up through right. you know a lot of times what will happen is that first big thunderstorm and right. some of the you know are some of these varieties where you don't have to stake as much or or talk to me a little bit about that well like let lilac ladies would be one that you wouldn't have to stake as much but you know this is a big flower head on a shorter plant so depending on you know a lot of our customers are on the coast or close to the coast and you get gusts of wind so you know to be sure you want to put the stake on um you never know when what's going to come down the pike but the best time to stake something like delphinium or even peonies you know most you know, a lot of times we shoot for an a and sometimes we get a b minus or sometimes a c i get a c sometimes but most people i'm sure are getting a b minus but um <laughs> you 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 know it's good to get the staking done before the plant you see any color on the plant so i would be putting out my stakes you know for delphinium you know around you know i would say may mm. when i'm seeing the, the and sticking them in the ground before the plant is up so i can just go out there and tie um the plant to the stake you know uh before you know, it's too late. Right. Peonies, I like to get the cage or um, stakes on, whichever you prefer. You can either use a cage um, where the plant grows, called a grow-through support, where the plant grows up through it. Or some people like to individually, um, like me, because i high maintenance, I guess. But, <laughs> no, if, you know, I like to stake each plant, each stem separately. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets, for me, it's a more natural natural look. So it's, you know, all a matter of taste. Um but with peonies, you want to get that staking, you know, happening before the plant is even, you know, a foot tall, I'd say. Yeah, That's I, their target. I, think, I think that basically, you know, what yeah. we're trying to get across is yeah. that, you know, you don't wait until you s- it's too late, you right. know. And let's face it, we have busy lives. Yep. We have, you know, a lot going on. And the last thing you want to do is have that beautiful plant. It's just about ready to look right. amazing. Yeah. And then, boom, it's all on the ground. <laughs> It's well, uh, disappointing for people. Yeah, and you know, one benefit of when that delphinium snaps in half and lands on the ground is you cut it and bring it in the house. That's right. And then you get side branching from that spike. So that is a benefit, but sometimes that flower lands in the dirt and doesn't look like you, you know, d- you don't want to bring it in, but hey, you know, we It do is what, we what it is. That's right. <laughs> yep. You know, a couple other plants, you know, talking about delphinium, you know, there's another plant that's very similar, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, foxglove or digitalis, and those are lovely plants. Um, there's a new variety out there called uh, Dalmatian peach, which I'm very excited about. So really beautiful, big mm. flowers that are held 
outright, so they don't hang as much. So they're very visible in the landscape. Two to three feet high, so um, nice size range and a peach color, which Pe- is peach is a tough color to get in the, in, in the landscape. It's isn't very it? hard to come by. Absolutely, very sought after too. So I was surprised that I actually was able to acquire it. So, mm, yeah, mm. nice plant. Um, you know. The plant is just, uh, it produces side spikes, so if you pinch it out when the first spike comes, you'll have much more, um, you know, coming later. And foxgloves are typically biennial, so you want to let at least one or two spikes um, go to seed and self-sow, because that's how you perpetualize that plant in the garden, so... Yeah, I mean, if you're coming in, folks, and you're yeah. always buying plants that are in bloom in the right. garden center, you really need to understand you. this is one that we don't want you to fully deadhead. Right. Or if you do deadhead it, mm-hmm. you'll get the small spikes that will pop up right. later in yep. the summer yep. and let all those go to seed. Right. And it, it's a little unsightly. You know, if it, yeah. it can be a little bit unsightly. Yep. So you've got to resist the urge right. to take all of that bad growth off. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and let them do their thing. Let right. them sow, sow their royal oaks. Well, the beauty of foxglove is, you know, uh, you leave one of those small side spikes. You need one set of flowers and one set of seed pods. Right. So it could be really small. So if you put something in front of it that fills that gap while the plant is not looking its best, but each little seed each little um, ovary from each flower produces like thousands of seeds. Right. So you don't need a lot to, you know, as long as you move the mulch away and pro- provide a spot for those little guys to land. You're now, good. with some of these hybrid varieties, mm-hmm. like a peach colored, yeah. or yep. are you going to get that same variety back from seed, or you know, because mm. you may or may not, right? That's correct. And and the thing about you know, there's a lot of mixes out there. One that sticks in my mind is Giant Shirley mix, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, you know, variant. It, it's variant from the start. It's, you know, a mix of different colors. And, um, you know, if you only had this peach variety in the garden. Right. And it, and it you know, it's going to probably come true to type, you know, one generation. And then you're going to get some variability out of it. Right. But you're going to have a high percentage of peach in it. And mm-hmm. you would call out anything that wasn't peach. Right. You know. So, you know, with see, with these varieties, um, if you have more than one, you're going to have kind of a mix going on. Well, but, and the nice part is you right. may have something that's amazing. Right. You know, we exactly. just, you just don't know. I mean, you could have the next yep. big hit. Well, that's where the, the <laughs> new plants come from. A lot of these plants were found in somebody's yard, you know, and it yeah. was different than anything else around it. So mm-hmm. it's good to keep your eyes peeled for that. It, it's always a good, good way to kind of, you know, on, to have a few of these plants that may change. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a bad thing to have a great surprise, right. you know, every year. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so other new perennials that I'm excited about, if, uh, you know, there's a uh, Sweet William out there now. it's been It's been on the market for a little while. Mm. But I just saw it in a garden last year, and so that was really the one, the the thing that really, you know, made me, you know, get the plant this year is that I didn't realize. Sometimes photos don't do everything. Absolutely. Um, So it's called uh, Heart Attack Dianthus. I know. Well, that's fit. <laughs> yeah. You know. But um, it's it's so beautiful. It's, you know, supposedly to give you a heart attack. But Well, that's um, the, fo- the foliage in the greenhouse. Yeah. I mean, you know, folks, these are little plants when we get them. Right. And a lot of times they're coming in a box or they don't tro- show their true foliage right, right when we plant them. Yeah. We're about a month w- a month in from, from transplant. Right. And this plant, I've, ca- I've walked by a few times mm-hmm. and gone, wow, that foliage is kind of nice. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't really stop and look at it, and, right. you know. 
know, do all the, you know, read the tag right, and right. kind of, you know, I can't keep up with all the stuff. It's, right, it's right. tough to keep up with this. But this one was, a, the foliage was a showstopper. Yeah, it's um, it's a beautiful foliage. And in the greenhouse, we're not seeing it at its full potential because of the covering of the house. Because that's, you know, um, that kind of keeps the color down a it little bit more. filters the light. But if you can notice a plant in color in the greenhouse, you're going to see it even more beautiful out in your landscape when it's getting the full benefit of all the rays. But this plant um, has a really beautiful, um, deep, lustrous green foliage, which has these um, beautiful burgundy highlights. Um, the plant's usually in the 18 to 24-inch tall range. It's zone 4 hardy. Um, so the foliage emerges in the spring deep red, and then as the season ch- uh, comes along, it uh, changes to green with um, burgundy highlights. The flower is a really deep, deep, um, kind of an ox blood mm. burgundy, you know. Tough with color. A, with a tough color to come by. Yeah. So it's really going to stand out. And, you know, pink, we can get pink in these carnation-type plants everywhere. Mm. Um, but for some of us that are a little more dark-hearted, like me, um, this plant's going to, you know, really speak to me. So, or... Um, and so it blooms for a really long time. Mm. And uh, Dianthus, this plant, Sweet William, is typically, they call it a biennial. But I see this plant coming back three, four, five years, you know. So I would call that, you know, short-lived perennial. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think, you know, this is, again, that old coming back with a new variety, right? right? Yeah, absolutely. It combines great with, um, like, sedum late in the year for contrast, especially that foliage still looks great. Um, grasses, you know, this would be, this is a very easy plant to grow. Loves dry, sandy soils. Um, also, you could use it with uh, the... They call it uh, whirling butterflies or wan flower gora, which gora, is a really yeah. nice plant. Long bloom. Long bloom time. And, um, you know, some of the cat mints would look really great with this. Nice contrast with the foliage. That gray with uh, gray of the cat mint mixed with this dianthus, I think would be pretty. Yeah, I think the foliage is going to be really nice after it's done blooming, too. Right, absolutely. But you'll probably get some sporadic bloomies most of the season, too, right? Yeah, it, in in. Sometimes in the summer when it's really hot and dry, it'll take a little time off, and then you'll get a little resurge in the fall. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so old is new again. Mm-hmm. So we Absolutely. all know we all know irises and Siberian irises. Um, new variety this year for us um, called Strawberry Fair. Heavily ruffled petals. Um, there's nothing like that time in June when the irises are blooming. So. Yeah, I mean, iris are an old standby, but they're yep. really a nice um, element in the garden because the foliage gives you a lot of texture yep. and contrast in the off mm-hmm. months. Even yep. though it doesn't have flowers, it really gives a good contrast. Right, it has a grass-like quality, so you can really use it throughout the garden, you know, keeping the clumps small, you know, and uh, dividing frequently. It really has a great textural feel. This plant, um, heavily ruffled falls, and the falls on this uh, are, are the petals around the edge that are, they ha- tend to have a more um, downward pattern. There's usually three on a Siberian iris, and um, the falls are rich magenta pink, w- and the standards, which are the, fl- the, um, the petals that hold themselves upright in the flower, uh, they're uh, lavender pink, so there's a little bit of contrast between those. They're uh, blooming usually around the second week of June mm-hmm. is for Siberian irises. And um, those uh, pinks, lavender pink standards have white brush marks on them. So, so it's a really nice high contrast. So prime example, this is a great plant 
and species for all of you folks that are snowbirds. Mm-hmm. That are coming back right. the end of May. Yep. You want a big blast of color, right. you know, just after you get back in June. Mm-hmm. You know, really an anchor plant in mm-hmm. your garden. Right. And new varieties consistently coming on the market. And very low care. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's a consistent, it's going to be there every year. All know, right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on Newstalk WLOB. At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. Coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, and here with Jim Massey, nursery manager from Yarmouth. Jim, you know, we've been talking about a lot of perennials, and we have more to talk about. We can go on and on and on. But we also have a bunch of shrubs and trees. And so, you know, let's switch it up. Let's kind of mix some perennials with shrubs and kind of talk about just cool new stuff. Because the hour just goes by like that when we're talking new plants. Oh, yeah. This is kind of what we do, you know. I mean, new plants give us vigor. I don't want to discount old plants, though. Oh, no, no, absolutely I I mean, we talk a lot about new plants on the show. We talk about a lot new things. And not we don't always have to talk about just the stuff that we sell either you know Mm -hmm. i mean granted we tend to talk about the things that we know and the things Mm -hmm. that we sell are the things we know right you know but uh, let's talk about throw me a couple new shrubs you think are going to be a hit well i think that uh i think that also more and more people are combining shrubs and perennials in landscapes too Mm -hmm. where where years ago we were seeing more all shrubs in the front so Mm -hmm. you know and so with the textural change and people's uh, taste changing Um, You know, some of these new shrubs mixed in, I think, is a great idea with the perennials. Um, You know, there's a new uh, chokeberry that we have this year, and that's more of a natural, naturalistic looking plant. Right. Um, Really a beautiful plant. Uh, It's called uh, uh, Glossy Black Chokeberry or Viking. Viking. Yeah. Like that. And um, the foliage is really uh, an improvement over older chokeberries, which is a really beautiful glossy foliage. Um, this plant usually blooms around the end of May, June, um, depending on the weather, with a small white flower, which is great for uh, your pollinators like bees. Right. Um, has, a, has a fruit on it as well, which, um, you know, takes a little bit of a getting used to. Some people think it's really tasty. Some people, it makes their mouth, you know, their face <laughs> get all funny looking. That, um, bit, that bitter beer face? Or, sure. You know? <laughs> that's, yeah, right. And it yeah. makes great wine. So, you know, there's a benefit there. I guess. Uh, so, um, 
but the birds really love the plant. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then you add in the fall color, which is a beautiful fiery orange to red fall color. A lot of people are familiar with burning bush, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this is really, I, I like this plant better than burning bush just because it gives you the orange and the red. Right. And it's really like a vibrant, saturated color. Um, lovely plant. I like the foliage on this plant. We had yep. it in limited supply last yes. year to kind of try yep. it out. Exactly. Um, and, you know, the foliage is a little bigger. Yep. It's definitely much shinier. Yeah. Um, the fruit set was amazing on yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree with you. The fall color. Yeah was absolutely mm-hmm. stunning and right. to me now you've got the triple threat right you know or more right birds yep foliage yep you know texture yep great winter structure absolutely you know yep. fairly fine branching structure yep. for winter yeah you know and soil conditions talk to me about that oh it can it can handle wet soils mm. it can handle dry soils i mean you wouldn't want it to be like sand pit you know, dry, right. but uh, a normal garden soil to actually clay or wet soils, it, it handles anything that yeah, you have. It's, it's, a, it's a very versatile, yep. naturalizing folks. Yep. It wouldn't necessarily be a focal point in the garden for right. me, I would say, uh, yeah. but but naturalizing along the wood line, mm-hmm. you know, uh, peripheral edges along a fence or yep. something, you don't need massive numbers in this, maybe one or right. three, you yep. know, in your yard, yep. depending on the size, but... A, a real nice accent. Yeah, it's what I call a view to a kill plant. Mm-hmm. You know, you put it out where you're going to appreciate that beautiful white um, flower, tra- drawing your eyes into the landscape in the spring, and then in the fall, you're going to your eyes again going to be drawn to it. Um, you know, with that fall color, and, and yep. the birds, you know, yeah, are, are another accent. Yep, definitely. Um, so you know, moving away from more of the the native type plants. Um, there's a new grouping of azaleas, mm-hmm. and I, I think these are going to be really exciting. Um, they come in a great color range. There's, uh, they're called Bloomathon azalea. And um, they come in a lavender. They come in pink. They come in red. They're, they have a f- similar feel to a plant that we've seen before, which is a Japanese-type azalea. Mm-hmm. It's a low grower. Um, they get to be about two to three feet tall, but they are wider usually than tall, three to four feet wide. Um, you're, it'll be a while before you see that size. So right. if you wanted something large, it might be good to p- put a couple together. But um, they um, bloom in April with a really heavy set of flowers, like most of the azaleas. And then they rebloom in July, and they continue to re- uh, to bloom fits and starts until fall. Um, you know, they are on the borderline of hardiness here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're just getting to know this plant, so right. uh, I know that in my yard I can have, an, you know, I can have certain plants that other people can't have just about how I cite them. So if there's any other any question about hardiness, talk it over with one of us, and you know we can give you our perspective. But you never know until you try, and so um, you know with all those layers that come with this plant, I think it might be worth a shot. Yeah, we had some last summer, folks, yep. in limited numbers. Yeah. we were impressed with the look of them, how mm. they kind of sporadically re bloomed um you know again they're listing them as a zone six in many catalogs we've put them in as a zone five in our um in in our website you know we feel that they're a little bit hardier than what they're giving credit though i believe citing them appropriately in your yard um they're not going to be for every location Mm -hmm. um you know some protection is probably needed but we feel in along the coast here you know we're probably going to do pretty well with this plant um you know inland 20 25 miles we might have a little bit tougher time yep 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 the benefits of the of the 
of the you know just the pulling of the um cold air out of your situation by the body, big bodies well even Sebago Lake right a lot of people are having success up there because um you know it stays consistently frozen and mm-hmm. you know i've yeah there's surprised. not that big moderation in temperature Correct. up and down you right. know you that body of water yeah. will kind of tend to create a microclimate around it because you right. either stay consistently cold or you don't get that big fluctuation right. now let's face it this year this winter yeah some of the plants that we've planted over the last 10 years, right. we're going to have some things that said, hey, hey you pushed it a little too right. far. Yeah. We're going to have some plants that, that pass away. Right, yeah. Which is fine. That's natural selection. Yeah, it's hard to take, but um, it's amazing how quickly you can get over it. Especially, you know, you and I have been in the business so long, you know, you, you, know, you tend to move on you know, from that pretty yeah. quickly. Plants, you know... It's not a bad thing to lose a plant once in a while. It's heartbreaking at the time. Right. But it tends to be a, an opportunity to refresh and put new varieties like we're talking about. Yeah. And let's let's talk about hydrangeas cuz every year there's 50 new ones and you know how do we get through all of them? So let's touch on it quickly okay. because all I right. you know I don't want to spend all kinds of time on right. hydrangeas because we talk about them all the time. Yep. But let's hit the highlights. Yeah, you know. Well, last week we we talked, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the new um, macrophylla or mophead type, right? Bloomstruck red stem. Um, it's uh, been, this plant is in the endless summer uh, series, mm-hmm. um, so it's going to be a blue flower unless you put uh, lime on it. Um, it's a shorter grower, a smaller grower. Um, you know, it's in the three to four foot uh, height range, which is going to think going to be very useful for people. Um, four to five feet wide, and most of these mop head types are wider than they are tall. Um, this plant blooms all summer into the fall, and mm-hmm. the flowers change to that beautiful kind of greenish color or pink or purpley color. Um, this plant is. Uh, going to be a little bit more heat tolerant here as well which i think is going to be key um and it's going to be more bud hardy as well so um they've really started to improve you know small stature more cold hardiness and then also it's going to tolerate you know more of our you know august july and august heat as well yeah they're touting this as something a a, a macrophylla hydrangea yeah that's going to take more sun yeah. Oh, that yes. You know, exactly. is, is yep. one of the big things too. Which right. you know, if you've had endless summer and yep. you planted it in full sun, right, it looks wilted all the time, right. You yep. know, and they're saying this, and again, this is a new variety, right. folks. We're treading lightly. Yeah. Everything I've seen, it's a cross with twist and shout. Okay. Correctly. Yep. That's uh, right. Yeah. And and you know that's where it gets that red stem. Correct. Yeah. I like the red stem. I think yep. that's a real nice addition because let's face it, it's a hydrangea. It doesn't have flowers for a long time. Right. Exactly. Um. But I think that the claim to fame here is I want to make sure it's going to rebloom reliably. Twist and shout. I've been pretty impressed with the reblooming factor. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm happy that that parentage is in there mm-hmm. we're gonna see yeah. we've got a lot of them on order folks yep. i think this is going to replace endless summer mm-hmm. the original right. i think it's gonna probably at least for us for for now you know it's gonna have a different look though right. it's not gonna be the same hydrangea you see on nantucket right if you yep. want that the endless summer the original is gonna yep. still be your go-to yep. this has got a little smaller flowers mm-hmm. a little bit more broad mm-hmm. habit yeah but i think for most of our landscapes it works better absolutely you yeah. know yeah. so well you know 
going along with hydrangea and, you know, there's also new of the paniculata types or the mm. old-fashioned, we all know PG hydrangea, the you know, old-fashioned one that you see a lot. Um, there's a new one um, There's called Firelight, which is a, a really nice upright shape. So mm. there's, um, you know, there's quick fire, there's a pinky winky, winky. <laughs> there's all these other types. But Firelight is going to be Zone 3 hardy. Ooh, tough. We can use it all the way up north. Absolutely. The flower heads are packed with florets. Um, They transform from a pure white to a rich pomegranate pink. So Mm. it's going to have that deeper color as a quick, like a quick fire would have, that ruby color, that ruby kind of um, pomegranate color. And then um, the the flowers are held more upright, similar to um, Pinky Winky. Right. But the flower head is a little bit more rounded. So, so a more traditional flower head like PG? Yeah, it's going to be... But not quite so big? It's actually um, more elongated. Yeah, okay, like yeah, yeah. More oval. Okay. Yep, so it has a little softer feel. Some some folks don't like that pointed flower of like t- uh, Pinky Winky, for instance. I can see that. But they like that. the upright shape. I can see that having a real nice, right. you know, the, that person that wants a little more old-fashioned look. Correct. Doesn't yep. want that more updated. Right. but Softer. But wants the yep. characteristics of that change early. Right. Still early bloom? Yeah, it's an early bloom. Well, you're looking at, you know, around July yeah. when it's for, but the co- it's going to color up a little earlier as well, yeah. kind of in the quick fire. So range. similar to quick fire, just a different, yeah. different look, right. you know, similar in size. What's- um, the size is going to be about four to six feet high and three to five feet wide. And the beauty part of any of these hydrangeas is you can prune them very hard in the spring right. and they bloom on new wood as opposed to the the mop head or the blue ones that you know in the old ones usually bloom on on older wood or mm-hmm. primarily on older wood these plants you can really prune them hard in the spring and they'll still um, bloom for you that fall that sounds like July. a great variety yeah. we'll be back with more from the joy of gardening on news talk wlob Regular old mulch leaving your plants wanting more? Casella Organics Nutri-Mulch is a superior mulch for improving any landscape. Made in Maine from aged native bark and earthlife compost, its dark color and rich texture are ideal for perennials, ornamentals, trees, and shrubs. Earthlife Nutri-Mulch is nutrient-stabilized with compost, so the bark doesn't compete with plants for nutrients. Visit CaselaOrganics.com or call 800-4-COMPOST for a source near you. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. We're talking new plants uh, for spring 2014. We're here with Jim Massey, nursery manager of Yarmouth. And uh, we've been talking about trees and shrubs and perennials. And, you know, overall, I would say we have less new stuff this year comparative to the last couple. And part of that reason, I'm kind of thinking, we've kind of pulled back a little bit, folks. We've had so much that's been new over the last few years. And it seems like there's a little lull mm-hmm. in the hybridizers adding new stuff. And I think part of that is just they, they're holding back some of the new stuff that's coming. They're, right. they're still testing it out. Yeah. Um, but you know, some highlights in the hydrangeas like we've talked mm-hmm. about, you know. I mean, we can go on and on and on. But to me, there's so much new stuff out there. We have to make some tough choices yeah. year in and year out. Yeah. And We'd love to have it all. Yeah. We added so much that was new last year. Right. We wanted to get more experience with that. So, you know, 
our website has a whole host of, mm-hmm. of information. Talk yep. about, I know Jim, Jim spends a trim, you can't even believe how many hours in January and February on working on our website, writing descriptions. Talk to us about that process and, and kind of in general, just what we put into that because it, it's, it's, it's extensive. Right. So right after Christmas, I start going and pouring over, you know, all the new additions and updating the, the online website. So, what I've been finding is that a lot of these new plants that are coming out, we really aren't able to know everything about them until we have them in our gardens. Right. And so what I do is use my experience in the landscape, because mm-hmm. I came from a landscaping background, and, and try to infuse the catalog with you know my knowledge about where it might be grow the best, because plants give you clues about how to grow them. Um, whether it be you know fuzzy leaves, usually they handle you know much more dryness and wind tolerance mm-hmm. or grasses you know there 's less moisture loss because the blade is thin, so I really try to work on you know infusing as much of that practical stuff into into the um, descriptions of the plants, trees, shrubs. All of that. And a lot of times, you know, we are getting in new plants all season. Right. So like last summer, right. you know, we have all these plants that come in. And right. we don't update the website every time we get a new plant in. Right. You know, and part of that is we want to watch the plant. We right. want to get feedback from customers if yep. things start not going well. You know, which they're plants. They're living things. They're mm-hmm. flops. Right. We have flops in purchasing or how they hold up in the yard. Right. All of these different things. And so a lot of plants that will become available on the website, like in January and February and March, going into 2014, Mm -hmm. we actually maybe had them last summer, right? Exactly. Um, There's like all these new Wigellas. There's Mm -hmm. a Sonic Bloom Red, Sonic Bloom Pearl. Those are plants that we saw at the end of last year show up. We didn't know much about the plants at all. And then this year, we really have them as new additions. So. Yeah, a lot of times we have yeah. um, new introductions for 2014. We actually started stocking those in fall 2013 right. yeah. and, and getting a, a feel for how they held up in a container in right. our yard, yeah. what customers' response was, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, that kind of leads us to, okay, are we going to put more stock in in the right. spring like the Wagellas? Right. We're great. Those yeah. Sonic series, they yeah. sold well in the fall, and yeah. they were nice, and they rebloomed. Absolutely. And a lot of the challenge, too, is we get to introducing some of these plants the next season because even though they're coming out, I want to be available to my customers and, you know, be available to give them the advice that they need, you know, um, so my time in the office would be limited, you know. Yeah, it's not worth our time to write a description every time we get a new plant because we may or may not carry it again. Right, absolutely, depending on how the response is. Yeah. So, you know, the website, you know, definitely... I would say the up the website's completely updated for spring two thousand fourteen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good time to start, you know, surfing that, looking at different things. Yep. Talk to we still have time for them to contact us and order specific sizes and plants. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I would love to stock every plant there was, um, but if you're looking for a particular plant, just give us a call, or or you can t- contact me at Jim at Estabrooks Online or Tom at Estabrooks Online. Um, if you're looking for a particular plant, and I can give you more info if I can get something for you or yeah, bigger the last, sizes. The last few weeks, we've been quoting a lot of different plants from people that were looking for stuff in 2013 that we didn't have or mm-hmm. didn't have the right size they right. wanted. Um, you know, so now is the time, folks. Two weeks from now, it's over. <laughs> I know that's tough to really think about. 
but as we wrap up the show this week, that's kind of where I wanted to kind of end up here was because I know Flower Show was last week. Things are picking up in the garden center. Not all the shipments have arrived, but trucks will be starting to arrive in the next week or 10 days. Mm -hmm. Now, if you think about this, I'm just trying to give you a logistics situation here. Okay, we have nurseries we deal with, and they have to go out in the field and dig this material or get it on a truck. It's very tough last minute for a bald and burlap plant to get dug and put on our truck that's scheduled for two weeks from now Mm -hmm. or three weeks from now. Right. You know, if we're adding one tree. If we're adding 20 trees, it's a little different because they may go out and dig 20 trees. But to go out in the field and dig that one tree to get on a truck is very tough for them in the heat of battle. Right. So, you know, the earlier we know, the better we can, you know, provide. The other thing we want to let you know is inventories are tight. Business is coming back. We're looking at availabilities, Jim, day in and day out. There's not as much material out there as there has been over the last five or seven years during the downturn in the economy. Right. Inventory has come into check, and that is going to create some problems. So shop early and shop often, I think, is is the general theme we're getting at, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, here we are. We've had beautiful weather. It's March. It's mid-March now, folks. You know, we're a couple weeks away from probably pansies being ready. They're looking great. You know, we'll have the greenhouse open here soon so you can see some of those lovely plants starting to kind of show their heads. Put some pictures on Facebook. Gone viral. Everybody's cabin fever. Jim, I want to thank you so much for coming in uh, the last couple weeks. It's been great to kind of get some updates. A lot of other things that we weren't able to talk to. Oh, yeah. You know. But, you uh, you know, another great, great week. Um, I just want to let you know, get out there and enjoy your garden, okay? I know it's early, but take those snow banks, shovel them out, melt them off, get active. You know, before too long, we're going to have problems with the lawn and all these other things. A whole heck of a lot going on. The other thing is, end of the month, last weekend of the month, Saturday the 29th, first live show, call in 8 to 9 o'clock. You can call in, get all your questions answered, or most of them if I know. Get out there, enjoy your garden, have a great week. <laughs>